If our brother Paul could be converted when he was 38 years of age and be told that the first 38 years of his life had been wasted in folly, in thinking that the Lord Jesus Christ was not the Messiah that fulfilled the Old Testament Scriptures, if he could forget the past, forgetting those things which are behind, and press forward, then why don't you and I just join him by forgetting whatever we've done wrong in our marriages or our child training or in obeying our parents and in honoring them, and let's press forward. It's the devil that wants you to think the past is enough to keep you from doing what's right in the future. It's the Lord that tells you to press forward. I'll forgive you. I'll overlook it. I'll cast it behind my back. I'll remember it no more. I'll separate you from it as far as the east is from the west. Now let's move forward. And let's move forward. I'll take a little bit of time and bring up a few more points that I didn't bring up this morning on the subject of children and their parents. But let's look at Ephesians 6 and have the precious Word of God in our eyes where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If Paul could forget the past and he had spent his life harming the kingdom of God, surely we can forget the past and press forward. We can change if Saul of Tarsus could change, if he could walk into the assemblies of the priests and the elders of Israel and tell them that uh, he was no longer going to be their gopher, their assassin, their worker. He was now preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And they found out about it soon enough. We can change. And let's, let's make that change. Children, let me make a few more comments to you. The first authority relationship you meet with in life are your mom and dad. If you don't learn how to obey your mom and dad, you're never going to be successful in life. Because as soon as you leave your mom and dad, you have to go work for demand. The boss man, as they say down here. I never heard boss man until I got down here. He was the boss. But as soon as you leave dad, you've got to go meet the boss. And the boss is usually not quite as nice as dad was. The boss doesn't take you home every night and feed you. The boss doesn't give you a nice cozy bed. He gives you a greasy machine and says, clean it and go home looking like a green monkey. That's our brother. He's laughing. He knows. The boss. You're going to meet the boss. Then it's April 15th. And you meet another boss. <laughs> and he says, put your pen on that paper and tell me that you're telling me the whole truth. All the truth. Complete to the best of your knowledge. And then put your pen on another piece of paper and write me a check. I want some of your money to go build things that you think are stupid. But I need the money and I need you to help me, so I want you to pay for it. See, you're going to run up with authority for the rest of your life. So you know how to get started? Practice with mom and dad. I'd like your bed made every morning and I'd like that sink cleaned up. I don't know how you can brush your teeth and get spittle three feet high on a mirror. You can do better than that. 
How many towels did you use for one shower? What are they doing on the floor? I'm sorry, Mom, that I create so much laundry for you. That's honoring your mother. I'm not trying to be funny. I want you to think about it. It's the first authority relationship you meet with in life. Try leaving towels on the floor with the boss. He don't like towels on the floor. He wants you using as few towels as possible. He might even follow you into the restroom and say you get, to, you get two poles on the paper towel machine because three costs is too much. He's the boss. You're going to have to learn to submit to authority. It doesn't matter what our generation thinks. It doesn't matter that they go on strike. It doesn't matter that kids tell their parents off. That ought to make you angry. I wish that kids would come to me. You, you young people would come to me. I'm sorry for calling you kids. Your children, your young people, your youth. Those are the Bible words. I wish you'd come to me and tell me how angry it makes you to see how so many children treat their parents. I know what makes your parents angry. I'd like you to tell me. I'd get excited. You can get angry about certain things. You can get angry about how most children treat their parents. Sometime you might hear about a man named Benjamin Spock. He was a dysfunctional idiot that wrote a book, a book about 60 years ago that most people thought was some great manual for child training. And it, it's the number one cause for why this nation is such a mess today because of the mothers who read it and thought that he had even a modicum of truth because he didn't have any truth. Just go read his book and then look at his life. Before he died, though, he had an opportunity to be asked a few questions about the philosophy that was the undergirding for that book. And it's all over the Internet. You can go read it. He admitted that it was all a joke. That it didn't work at all. That he had based his whole theories on the self-love of man. That the more you loved yourself, the better you would behave. And that it was a terrible disaster. And it had borne its fruit while he was still alive. But if you go look at his own family and read about the drunkenness and the divorces and the suicides, then you would know that he didn't know what he was talking about. There's only one manual, and it certainly isn't Jonathan Crosby's. It's this one right here. It's this one right here. This is the God who created families and created children, and he wrote exactly how to take care of them. And he said, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. No one else knows what is right. If they agree with the Bible, then we say thank you. This wisdom's been around for 6,000 years. If they don't disagree with the Bible, we say you don't have any light at all, because that's what the Bible tells us to say. They are ignorant, and they're wrangling about words, and they're making up stuff, as 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5 would tell us. We go by the Bible. We are Bible Christians, and the Bible says this is right. There is a very efficient way for families to work. Dad says it, and you say that you'll do it. Dad says jump, and you say how high, and you say it with a smile and a salute, and everything gets along well. I'll get to Dad's in a minute. Your parents were chosen by the infinite grace and glory and wisdom of God. Charlie, absolutely perfect point, well said when you were up here. God chose your parents. Charlie said it well. I don't need to say it again except to remind you of what he said. Out of billions of opportunities in this generation or previous generation, do you know that God looked through his Rolodex? The God of heaven can look through a Rolodex in less than a nanosecond of time. He doesn't need time. But he went through his Rolodex with his index finger, looking at all the possible combinations of parents in the entire universe, and the two parents you have, he chose for you, very specifically knowing every single detail about them, their parents, their grandparents, the first grade teacher they had, and the third grade friend. 
Every single detail of your parents, God considered when He chose your two parents. Isn't that exciting? He said, you don't deserve any of those others out there. You deserve the two that I'm sending for you. Those two. And you know what? When you look at them and say, I don't want to be like my mom or my dad, guess what? You're a gene package that is half your mom and half your dad. And you know what you're going to be like when you're a parent? A whole lot like your mom and your dad. God made that choice. Let's, let's humble ourselves before that choice and be thankful for it. The Bible has some pretty terrible things to say about somebody who makes fun of the parents they came from. In Isaiah 45, 9 and 10, even if you're born without arms, you don't have a right to say anything against your parents. How much were you to obey your parents in? How many things? You, you believe that? Of course, there's an exception if your parents tried to get you to sin, but that couldn't happen in here, could it? So let's not even think about it. Let's just go with the strict words, all things. Colossians 3.20 Children should obey their parents regarding wall sockets. Do you all agree? Do you all care enough about Abigail that we don't want to see her sticking them in a wall socket? Yes. Abigail? No, no. That's worth a week anywhere, isn't it? Did you see that smile? Are we blessed? Amen. Shh, we're blessed. Thank you, Lord. But uh, all of you agree with that. Anna, you agree with that? That Abigail shouldn't stick her fingers in a wall socket? Let me see if you agree with the rest of this list. Joshua, if your father says you shouldn't take a knife to school, is that a good, is that a good idea? Good. How about matches? No matches, right? Good. What if he tells you to eat everything that's on your plate? Even those little round green things that roll all over. And they get cold real fast. And while you're usually thinking about how much you don't like them, they get real cold. And if you put butter on them, the butter gets cold. And then they are terrible to eat. One time when I had some food like that that I didn't want to eat, I took the salt and pepper shakers and emptied them on it and then told my dad that now I couldn't eat them because all the salt and all the pepper and the two shakers was on them. What do you think my dad did? And I love my father. He made me choke down every last bit of Amen. Every last bit of that. Amen. My father's a gentle and a patient man, but he wasn't that gentle and that patient. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Do you think your father has a right to tell you who can be your friend and who shouldn't be your friend? Do you think he can spot what kind of a friend would do you harm? Do you believe that? What kind of schooling you ought to get? What kind of music you should listen to? What television programs are acceptable and what's not acceptable? How you get to use or not use the Internet? Whether you get email privileges or not? When, where you can drive and what you're going to drive? Who, when, and how you'll ever have a date? Where you should work, how hard you should work, where you should save your money, how much of your money you should save, that you should repay your debts and how soon you ought to repay them, who you're going to marry, how you're going to be, and how you're going to train your children. Do you think a parent has the rights to say all those things to you? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents in all things. And all that list of things are things you should obey your parents in doing. 
this is an opportunity for you to do something that's pleasing to God. Did you see that Colossians passage where it says this is what kind of pleasing? Well-pleasing. God is well-pleased when a child obeys their parents. That should make it exciting to obey your parents. What chapter were we supposed to read yesterday in our reading program? Saturday, March 11th, was Exodus 20. What is one of the Ten Commandments? Honor thy father and thy mother. Isn't that a coincidence? I didn't plan it. The Lord planned it. What we read, what you may have read yesterday, one of the commandments is honoring your parents. It made it to the ten. It must be pretty important to make it to one of the ten commandments about honoring your father and your mother. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 3 to see a word that is used about the relationship and attitude and spirit you have towards your parents. Now, this is not taught today. In fact, this is hated and despised today. But this is the Word of God, and so I believe it, and I'm going to preach it to you, and I hope that we'll all obey it together. Leviticus 19, verse 3, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. When the Lord was a name dropper, and he dropped his own name, because there's no other name the Lord can drop, but his own name. I am the Does he do that very often? When you read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, does God drop names very often by saying, I am the Lord your God? He does it over and over and over again because He wants your attention. This is important. Every man should fear his mother. You're getting bigger and taller. Smarter and faster. I won't say anything. You honor that mother. You fear that mother. Why do you fear your mother? When a mother is so kind, how can you possibly fear the kindest person you've ever met in your life? I hope that's true for some of you. How can you fear the kindest person you've ever met in life? Because she's in an office that I am the Lord your God created. And so you fear your mother because God said, fear your mother. The fear should be, if I disobey my mother, I'm disobeying God who made my mother and who put my mother in the office over me and who picked that mother from all the mothers of the world to be my mother. And when I disobey her, I'm disobeying God. I should be afraid. Be afraid of your mothers because the Lord gave you that mother. This is the word of the Lord. You see, I'd like you to show me some of those places in the Bible where children were put to death. I think there's only one. Okay, Exodus 21. Let me show you just a couple of them. Exodus 21. Exodus 21 and verse 15. He that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. If a child ever strikes its parent, the Lord's solution is surely put to death. Not you may put them to death, but they should surely be put to death because that is such a flagrant violation of the parental office. Parents weren't very afraid of teenagers in Bible days. They just weren't very afraid. How about verse 17? Some of you may believe verse 15. Do you still believe verse 17? He that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder why it's not preached anymore. Did they drop the verse? It's right there. 
There it is. Capital punishment for cursing your parents. Don't even curse them in your heart, my children. There's a Lord God in heaven that sees and hears everything that comes out of your heart. And he will, he will practice this law one way or another with you, even if our nation does not. Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus chapter 20. If someone were to hear this sermon, I'm sure they'd say, you are so old fashioned. Thank you. Because Jeremiah 6.16 tells us to stand there and seek for the old paths. We want to be old fashioned. We want to be as old fashioned as God's word. Leviticus 20 and verse 9. For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Look at what it says. Do you, you get the tone? Did I, did I read it well enough for you to understand how the Lord wrote His Word? Everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother. You, in reading the Word of God, should learn that that crime deserves capital punishment. He's cursed his father or his mother. That's a terrible sin. We should think that way. This is why we preach the Bible. We want to learn to think the way that God thinks. How about Deuteronomy 27? I'm skipping over Deuteronomy 21. That's the one you may have known about. Deuteronomy 21 is... I'm turned to Deuteronomy 27. 21 is where God said, if parents have a child that's rebellious, will no longer listen to them, then they can take them to the elders of the city and have them stoned to death. I want you to see chapter 27, where it's listing a number of crimes of those that were to be put to death. And the way this occurred is, on, on one side a priest would holler out the curse, and all the people would say, Amen. It was a responsive reading. It was a responsive reading. The man in the pulpit would say a curse, and then all the people would say, Amen. I submit myself to that law. Let it be true. Deuteronomy 27.16 Cursed, the priest screams out, be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. That was a worship service. If you set light by your mother or your father, jest or joke about your parents, set light by them. It doesn't mean to put a candle beside them. Do you need help with the words? You're making light of your parents. Amen. Cursed. In Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. I wish I could go back at 48 years of age and sneak into the house that I was raised in and see the verse that I'm about to read to you and I would clean the clock of the young fool. Proverbs 30 and verse 17. Who's the young fool in my little paragraph? I am. I was. The eye that mocketh at his father. Proverbs 30, 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. If you want to have a Bible story book for your children, make sure 
there is a picture of a child laying in the field with an eagle sitting on its chest and its talons ripping its eyeballs out and eating them. Now, don't get upset at me. This is the word of the Lord. When, when young ladies and men mock their parents by rolling the eyes or sighing, facial expressions. God deals even in the Bible with facial expressions. Now, when was the last time you heard a sermon on the radio from Proverbs 30:17? You want a Bible story book? I'll give you a Bible story book, and I'll, I'll have some pictures that I want in it. And I want young Jonathan Crosby laying there with an eagle on his chest, ripping his eyeballs out. Because this is the word of the Lord. Children don't ever do that to your, your parents. Your parents may let you get away with it. <laughs> I hope they don't. But they may let you get away with it because we live in such a wayward generation. The Bible even addresses your facial expressions. There's a few of them. Oh, that's not all of them. I said there were ten. There's more than ten, but I said there were ten. I want to ask you children something. Is there, is there something you know your parents want you to do, but they've given up asking you to do it? All of you children think, is there something that your parents would like you to do, but they've given up asking because you've made it so difficult for them? You know what's the first thing you ought to do today? Is that thing. I commend you. I'll always commend you for honoring your father in his heart, even though his mouth said, you can do whatever you want. Amen. And the Lord will remember that someday, and it will be a whole lot better than me remembering it. And everyone that doesn't know that story, come and ask me, because it's worth hearing. And all those that know the story, remember, there's a young lady in our midst who honored her father's heart, even though her father said she could do what she wanted in an important matter. And the Lord worked that out to give her her desires in the matter anyway, because she did it the Lord's way. I'm thankful to be a member of this church. Honoring parents includes your in-laws. I have an email that arrived in the middle of the night from my in-laws. And it will, it will be answered with a phone call this day. And I'm no hero, but I want to honor my wife's parents. What position did Moses take when his wife's father visited Israel? He hit the deck and bowed down. Did Moses have a pretty lofty position? Could he have sat in a throne and expected his father-in-law to come and kiss his foot? He hit the deck. He threw his arms around him. He kissed him on the neck. He called together all the elders of Israel and threw a grand celebration in honor of his father-in-law. Exodus 18. Go read the lengthy account. Then the old man... Try that on your parents sometime. I tried it on my mother once. She may not be able to remember. I'll help her after the service. She took a bar of soap and helped me clean out the inside of my mouth. I thought soap was supposed to be used on the outside. But one time I called my mother 
the old lady. And I got a bar of soap in my mouth. You may think my mother's a pretty gentle and caring woman, but I'm glad when she was in her younger days, she knew how to take Johnny by the nape of his neck and hold him there and do this. <clears throat> and if you wonder what soap tastes like, go home and stick it in your mouth. A bar. I have two great parents. If there was anything they could have done better is realize they had a problem child and just beat him a little harder. Moses honored his stepfather. Let's remember to do that. I mean, his father-in-law. It doesn't matter whether it's a stepfather. Still a father. Still in a position that God created. Let's honor them all. We live in a generation that doesn't do it. I'm not going to turn you there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2 says the perilous times include Christians that no longer enforce obedience to parents. They let children get away with it. We don't want to be like them. We're not going to do that. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. You're in the book of Proverbs. It's not very far away. Proverbs chapter 23. Your mother is going to reach a point in time where she can no longer take you by the nape of the neck and shove a bar of soap in your mouth. But you know what? The Bible already knew that, so the Bible has this verse for you. Proverbs 23 and verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. As the mother loses the strength to be able to manhandle you, and my mother could manhandle me. When I was a little guy, I won't tell you the details of how she did it, but she knew how to humble my brother and me and hurt us all at the same time. The Bible, the Bible is taking care of mothers even when they get old. Look what it says right there. Despise not thy mother when she is old because she's in an office that God made. And the, if, if the, the Lord takes care of things in such a detail that if we were to obey the word of God, it is as close to heaven that you could ever get on earth if we would do this. Even an old grandmother would have the utmost respect from her children or grandchildren because of the word of the Lord. How many of you have ever gone into your mother's purse and found there enough money to go down to the corner store and get yourself a little treat? You deserve the little treat, you thought. After all, she's only giving you three meals a day, every day of your life except for the first year when she nursed you eight times a day. So you thought you deserved a little treat, so you went into your parents' purse and touched some of their money. God has something to say to you, so I want to, I want to give it to you so that maybe the next time, while you're up to your elbow in your parents' purse, you'll remember this verse. It's Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 24. Proverbs 28 and 24. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, It is no transgression. That's no big deal to take a little bit of money from mom and dad. The same as the companion of a destroyer. He's like a murderer to touch his parents' money without permission and not to consider it a serious transgression. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. I would love for it to be well with each one of you three. Adam, you too. I know I'm long. And I know it's been four hours and three minutes that you've been paying attention. 
All three of you, I'd love for it to be well with you and for you to live long on the earth. Anthony, that includes you too. I love that for all of you children. It would be well with you. You get a job, you get promoted. You get promoted again. Things go well for you. You get a great wife. You have great kids. The Lord protects you. You have good health. You live a long life. How do you get that? Right? Honor thy father and thy mother. It's the first commandment God gave and attached a promise to it. Do you believe that? If you believe Genesis 1-1, you ought to believe the rest. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and He goes on to say, if you'll honor the parents that I give you, I'll give you a long life and a good life. Is that easy? Lord, help us do it. Red, you've got a couple parents left. I know. You know I know. You got three. One wasn't enough. It's okay. I know what you meant. Lord, help us. A few more thoughts to you dads. Did you hear me this morning when I said that for a people to be prepared for the Lord, it meant that dads and children get back together? Let's do that. Let's make that happen in our homes. Do you think that Paul was concerned about fathers discouraging their children in riding a bike? Or do you think that the real thrust of Ephesians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 3 is fathers discouraging their children in the way of the Lord and following Him? That they would be too critical and not understand the weak nature of a child and help them along in following the Lord. Now, all the other parts play into that eventually, but we want to, we want to provoke, promote our children that loving the Lord is a wonderful thing and not discourage them by expecting too much or being too critical. A parent can break a child's spirit by excessive criticism, nagging, or complaining, especially when it's done with little commendation or praise. A child will just despair. They'll give up of ever pleasing their parents They'll lose motivation for doing anything that's right for all their actions are always dealt with the same. Short, sharp, impatiently by some man who doesn't know how to love. We cannot do that. I don't ever want to hear a child in this church say, I can't ever do anything that pleases my father. These verses aren't for you children to measure your fathers. These verses are for fathers. Do you know what it means when it says fathers to start a verse? It means that it's none of your business, really, what's in there. God will take care of your father. You're not to memorize the verse about fathers and take it home and write notes to your dad and remind him of the verse about fathers. Why don't you go home and write a note to your dad with the verse about children and say, I'm sorry for not being the kind of child that I should be. You don't try to tell him how to use that verse. That verse is for him and me and the Lord. Are your children discouraged, parent? Examine yourself. I'm thankful that the Lord pities me. He remembers my frame. In Psalm 103, he tells me that he remembers my frame. He remembers that I am dust. And he pities me. And that's what we should do with our children. is to pity them. Remember their frame. Remember their frame. They don't have the experiences we do. We don't, they don't have the maturity that we do. And we should allow for that. Proverbs 17 and verse 6. You're not far away. I mentioned this verse earlier. Children's children are the crown of old men. Old men who have their hearts in the right place love their grandchildren because their grandchildren are a crown to them. 
The second half of Proverbs 17.6 says the glory of children are their fathers. Fathers, let's be the glory of our children. You know, some fathers aren't the glory of their children. But it is amazing how even terrible fathers can be the glory of their children because that child so much craves a little bit of affection and approval even from a terrible father. I have seen it. I have seen it. I've met men who had fathers that I would think to myself because I wasn't the son, who would want anything from that man? But because he's their father, they crave. They crave affection and approval. It doesn't affect me that way. I want to go meet the father alone someplace because it hurts me so much to see a man that missed out on what he wants so much. And it would have taken so little for a dad to say that he loved him or that he approved of something that he had done in his life. We can't be fathers like that. The Bible tells us that mothers aren't the spiritual trainers because the Bible says that if a woman would learn anything, let her ask the real spiritual trainer at home, the father. Oh, for godly homes where the father would take the role of teaching the children the fear of the Lord and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, like Abraham and Joshua, great men, like men like Job. How hard do you think Job was was on his children when we're told that every time they had a birthday party among his children, he would rise up early in the morning and go out and offer a sacrifice and beg God to forgive his sons in case they might have cursed God in their heart during the levity of a party. Is that a tender, loving father? How harsh do you think he was with his children? when he has that kind of compassion for them and interest in them and mercy toward them, that he would beg God for the forgiveness of the sins they might have committed at a party rather than just stomping around the house complaining to the wife about the party the kids are having. Lord, help us. We can be better than that. We want to train a godly seed in the earth. Isaiah thirty-eight nineteen was read up here by Stephen. The father to the children. The father to the children. Do you know what? How Hezekiah used those words, don't kill me yet. The father to the children. You heard Stephen's reasoning? The Lord told Hezekiah he was going to die. And he begged God for a little bit more life. The Lord gave him 15 more years, but he told us why, how he begged for life. He said, I can't praise you if I'm dead in the ground and I can't tell my children more about you. A man begged for longer life to teach his children the fear of the Lord and about the things of God. Solomon would say in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26 to his son, Give me thine heart. That's what fathers want. Give me thine heart. Give me your heart so that I can form it to love the Lord and to please Him all the days of your life. Good and great fathers are leaders. I'm out of time. So listen. Great fathers are leaders. They're out front. Great fathers are pitiful. They show mercy. Great fathers are tough in that they require godliness. Great fathers are gentle. They deal tenderly. All of these points are backed up by a multitude of scriptures. Great fathers are knowledgeable of their children and for them. Great fathers are kind. They want to please in giving good gifts to their children. Great fathers are loving with tender affection as God was toward and is toward his children. Great fathers are wise thinking of the future. Great fathers are spiritual. They love Christ. Great fathers are teachers. They're always wanting to be training. 
their children to think and live in a way that pleases God. Your children will never exceed you without a miracle. Big hypocrites make little hypocrites. Remember that the book of Proverbs is primarily a book written by a father to a son. And so it's important for you to know the book of Proverbs. Goal of every father should be to have a godly seed in the earth. Boys and girls that are godly. God gave you that little sponge and He wants you to fill it up with His Word. It's a shame that in most homes the mother has been presented and has fulfilled her role that was given to her by a lazy husband to be the spiritual leader. Let that not happen in our homes. The Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We walk out of here with a job, every single one of us. Women, if you feel that you have been left out, then support your man and help him be that father in your home. You can teach those children that the glory, that their glory is their father. You direct the glory to your husband because that is the order that God wants. Do you, do you ever feel sorry for the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit's purpose and role is to point all the attention to the Lord Jesus Christ? Then why do you feel sorry for yourself if you point the attention of your children to their father? That, that's a role that you can have. You support your man. You help him. When he gets discouraged, cheer him up. And when he's not around, enforce his rule with an iron hand and help him. And a kiss. Help him be a good father. This is, these are the roles God gave us. This is the Christian religion. This is what Jesus Christ has called us to. These are the wholesome words of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is apostolic religion. This is the faith once delivered to the saints that we need to earnestly contend for because it's fast going away. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.